Hi, and welcome to the 4th U Dimension podcast. My name is Amber Kelly. I use she and her pronouns, and I'm the Director of Religious Education here at the 4th Universalist Society in New York City. We are so excited that this month we get to dive into the concept of widening the circle. How do we better welcome the stranger in our community? How do we better welcome those who are already in our community? And how do we just begin to rethink uh, what community means? How do we expand this vision? How do we widen this circle and be more inclusive, be more actively anti-oppressive and anti-racist? All of these huge concepts. And I'm just really excited that today I get to sit down with a friend and a colleague, Jill Novinsky of the Community Church of New York Unitarian Universalist. And I am so excited to get to share some of her insights with you all and stay tuned. Jill, it's so great to get to sit down with you today. Hey, Amber, it's so great to be here. Hello, everybody out there in the oral sphere. I am the Director of Religious Education for Children and Youth at the Community Church. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm super excited for today's conversation. You know, I had to, I had to resist. I almost, I almost called you the Reverend Jill Novinsky. Um, you know, we're going to just start giving you titles, but you know, I, yet, I think, <laughs> I think that the work that you do is, is a ministry. Um, so that's, uh, um, it's, it's touching people's lives. So uh, some of the amazing things that you've been doing, we just had you at a, at an in-conversation event the night before uh, we recorded this. Uh, and you talked about some of the amazing work that you've been doing, uh, like the online UU kind of uh, uh, schooling, almost. It was uh, UU Kids Connect. Uh, you t- we talked about like your eighth principle photo workshop. You've just been doing some awesome stuff uh, over there at Community Church, really rethinking what religious education work can be. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I reflect back on when I became director of religious education, which was actually at the top of December in 2019. I had been teaching at community, but really the uh, Sunday program had kind of dwindled for a lot of different reasons um, outside of, of my control. And when I became director, you know, interestingly, I I had this platform where I needed to kind of start from scratch. I needed to innovate. It, it really was a necessity is the mother of invention kind of situation. It was a uh, build it and they will come kind of model, even in person. So, you know, four months in when we end up on a pandemic lockdown, um, which was horrifying for sure. But in my little professional uh, position that I had just stepped into, um, also presented some pretty remarkable context within which to do this innovating. You know, it was the first time that I was able to be directly connecting with colleagues online to find out what they were doing, um, to kind of survey the lay of the land and see what was out there. I found myself inspired by a lot of what was going on. And uh, I, as usual, always have a lot of ideas in my head. And so I found other people inspired by that and collaboration and collaborative efforts and the collaborative mindset just seemed like a natural a space to enter into. And, and that was how, as colleagues, that we became friends because we we both started in the midst of pandemic uh, world and, and figuring this all out. And we connected and we just started, all, even on that first meeting, started bouncing ideas off of each other because totally. uh, <laughs> um, we, we both kind of love that. And I mean, that's the thing is that uh, the pandemic, the, the shift to digital ministry has really challenge people to rethink like what is church what uh, 
what does it mean to do church? What does it mean to be community? Um, and it's forced us to rethink a lot of the assumptions that we have about like, what is the way that we do this? And which means that it's, you know, a time that maybe is sad for a lot of people because it's breaking down old assumptions, but it's also this chance for like dynamic change in ways that we maybe would have not anticipated. Totally. I, and I, I personally, just as a human in my own, um, the identity that I claim is that I'm an empath. I've come to learn that in my, in my age that I, I channel uh, other people's feelings uh, constantly and that, you know, for better or for worse. So when we were in the situation where we're all meeting online and there was so much pastoral care that even my colleagues were clearly in need of on different levels, uh, myself too, for sure, but also families uh, and our congregants and, and the people that we serve uh, through our church and through the denomination in general, you know, um, I just automatically started feeling like church is wherever you are. Church is just wherever you are. So I never felt limited. I actually felt like the Zoom connecting allowed for folks with accessibility issues who couldn't prior, couldn't come to church prior now can be involved. I felt like um, kids that were getting homeschooled in the middle of the country whose religious education programs had died down now had programs they could plug into out here in New York City and 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 we could keep the flame lit in that way. Like there were so many different ways. So it's been very um, poignant um, to be managing that kind of space and also inspiring um, to see the connections, true valid connections being made on a, in a virtual platform. I've, I've often said that I think, you know, in, in 500 years, um, the way that we talk about like the printing press and suddenly like the availability of the easy availability of like printed texts, you know, I think that in 500 years, they'll talk about like this time that we're living in right now with, with, um, with the growth of the internet, with the growth of any sort of digital technology is such a cultural shift moment. And a lot of our religious communities, you know, they hesitantly caught up. I've, you know, as, as someone who has uh, applied at, at church jobs in the last decade, uh, most of the websites, um, they're a little rough around the edges um, for, for faith community websites. Um, right. And, you know, we, a, a lot of communities have really kind of dragged their foot on any sort of digital adoption. And, you know, now we've been challenged to, to think, okay, well, what can we do? And, you know, I think that it's a great time to explore kind of new ways of working, new ways of being and creating, you know, it's caused us to rethink like office hours, it's caused us to rethink, like, um, I mean, you know, even just the idea of like hourly versus salaried sort of positions, because, you know, is, is it necessarily something that you need to do between these hours? Or is it something you can just get these tasks done? You know, there's, there's so many, it's the pandemic has really shifted a lot of the parameters of what people, what people expect. Yeah. It's amazing what is revealed, right. In when, when you have an entire uh, earth of a uh, planet of people experiencing one crisis. Um, so I, I definitely uh, have peeled back the layers over the last two years of culture in, in a lot of different directions. I, I, there were so many folks that I was encountering and, and really some still um, who clearly, uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm saying this without judgment, this is, this is just observation 
and with recognition for the fact that being human is messy work, right? It just is. And um, so with, with reflection, I, there's so many people seem to be so, you know, traumatized by the crisis and the shift to everything being online, you know, us all being different uh, types of folks. I am a very social person, um, but I don't need to have, uh, I don't need to be in your physical presence to still be that social person. But I know a lot of folks who, who seemed, I, I never knew it before, who seemed deeply affected by not being able to be physically near folks and became very resentful and started using language like uh, when we go back to normal. And each time I would hear it, I would think, well, it's a continuum, right? There's no going back to anywhere. We're just constantly going forward. And I got very philosophical in my reflections over these past two years and uh, certainly started to settle into this idea of um, being present, being in this moment and appreciating everything that exists in this moment. Um, so that if I'm on a Zoom and I've got a collection of kids or colleagues or whatever it is, um, maximizing the opportunities uh, at that point of connection, because it is still a point of connection. So the culture shifting uh, over all of this time, and which continues to unfold with me and my work and also my life, um, is hugely uh, rooted in gradually peeling back the layers of culture I didn't even know existed, actually. <laughs> yeah. When I think that the pandemic you know, we, I mean, we saw it with the, the wave of protest in 2020, like that it really even more starkly um, illuminated a lot of the things wrong with our culture, with our society. And, uh, you know, to some level, at least, you know, for, for me, but I, I think, you know, perhaps I'm was perhaps already not quite very much of an individualist in, in my, in my thinking prior to the pandemic. Um, but it has forced people to confront that the you know just hardcore individualism that so much of the United States culture is based on isn't healthy for a society and that we need to shift to a more collective culture where we understand that we are all interlinked that we are as our UU principles call it you know this web of life that is all interlinked whether um, that's talking thinking about how you know we're spreading the pandemic to each other um, but like we 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 have to succeed as as a community not as individuals and that's such a big shift um i mean and especially in like the american religious sphere which has probably been one of the biggest motivators behind you know much of you know the, the puritan work ethic and all of these you just got to work hard and you're going to succeed the kind of mythos of america like a lot of our a lot of our religions have have been behind that and this culture shift is going to challenge our our religious communities yeah, I uh, welcome that challenge. <laughs> um, I, you know, starting with some of the uh, social uh, justice things that came up, obviously, uh, throughout the time uh, that we were on lockdown, the, it was so interesting for me to be working from home 10, 12 hours a day, innovating and building connections and you know, also freaking out a bit and feeling really afraid, being in the middle of Midtown Manhattan at the epicenter of the epicenter of everything. Um, the numbers were so huge at the time that George Floyd was murdered, uh, for example. Um, it was fascinating for me at that moment to ask the question, 
what will people come out for? Right. Because at that time, like people were just not coming out understandably, but uh, it was really meaningful to watch people pour out in so many different countries around the world, masked responsibly pouring into the streets and saying, you know, it just, it, it added, you know, the pandemic and, and the lockdown kind of like the whole condition, right. Added these layers of consideration that uh, when a movement is made collectively, you just, you feel the weight of it more because you understand the levels of decisions people had to confront. It wasn't like you had the day off. So yeah, I'll join a protest. It wasn't like that. It was like, you know, you might be risking your life right now yourself in the middle of a pandemic. And what would you fight for? What would call you out on that level? So there was that. But also, like, as a religion, you know, I always think about, like, this time has caused us to reflect on the value of time and, uh, and really reconsider um, what we're doing and why we're doing it and how we do we really want to spend our time and what if we knew more acutely how limited that time might be. Um, and so it, it's interesting to me, I feel like the reason religion exists at all is because as human beings, we are always questioning why. I don't know why we're questioning why. So those that's the why question I ask, but you know, we are always questioning what our purpose is here. And um, so I like to see when we get closer to, uh, I don't think there are any ready answers for sure. And that's why religion exists. And that's why we look for, we come up with different things and we, we think about the possibilities and we connect in different ways that inform us. Um, but the seeking of those answers just in that process, I think it, it becomes really beautiful to watch people uh, make new choices about ways to be and uh, causes to fight for and, um, ways of being. It was so cool to, you know, have this strong message for a long time during the pandemic where I'm wearing my mask for you. What a thing. I mean, it was like, you know, people that never even considered compassion before were like upfront and personal with this concept. Um, I'm obviously, <laughs> obviously we saw, you know, where that could go um, and how ugly that could get. But I think that that kind of discomfort um, in witnessing such things is also critical for culture change. I mean, so as as religious educators, you know, what what are steps that you know that you think, I mean, and I suppose people who are listening to this might be religious educators, they might just be congregants, they might just be regular people that are listening in. But how do we how do we begin to move towards this more socially aware, more collective kind of way of thinking in our, in our cultures and in just in our daily lives. Like, what do you, what do you think are some practical steps that folks can take? You know, when we were talking the day before this, this uh, podcast recording, right, we, I, I spoke about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. I, I truly believe that's a really important uh, mantra and place to begin. If you're talking about uh, being part of positive moves forward as a collective, or even just as an individual, you know, challenging oneself um, and accepting and knowing that you will not have the answers. So giving that up and, and understanding that there will be discomfort in that space. Um, that's a great starting point. And, you know, shifting language, 
you know, looking for other terminology and, and ways of framing things that uh, can shift a mindset. Language is so critical in culture change. Uh, you know, there's so many different ways to call a thing. There's so many different ways, so many of framing context around an idea um, and then giving space, really uh, not sucking the air out of the room, uh, but having faith that there are lots of great ideas out there, having faith that while all of us may never know the real reason why we're here, if there even is such a thing, it's just, it's kind of a funny concept. <laughs> we're here. That's what the, all we really need to know is that we're here. But, you know, knowing that, having faith that everyone does have gifts that they come to bear and um, getting excited about what that can look like, about the mystery and wonder of that and making space for that and putting our egos to the side for that. Um, those are really good practical ways to, to step forward. When I think about like, uh, you know, I think lots of uh, activists, revolutionaries, folks like that have talked about like the concept of, of dual power, like of acknowledging, hey, these systems are broken and we kind of need to build our own systems. I think you see abolitionists talking a lot about it with, uh, you know, community alternatives to the police. How do we, how do, we do these things without um, calling the police? And I think that churches can really be that, you know, like flawed, human, um, frail, often with lots of problems. That's churches, but we love them anyways. Um, and, but they can be this place where we can begin to build these new systems. You know, we've, we've seen that happen so many times throughout history where these faith communities can really be a place where we can begin to build these new areas of community support of, of collective liberation. Um, and I, you know, I think there's just rich promise and possibility there that if we if we do set aside our our egos and set aside making it about us, that we can make it our our communities can be enriching our wider communities as well. Yeah, actually, Unitarian Universalism. What I love about it, I was not raised with religion. I was raised by two uh, counterculture activists in Detroit who were. Um, raging and railing against and reeling from uh, Catholicism, um, uh, you know, and the, the sort of harsh binary way of, you know, there's good and bad, there's evil, and, you know, there's really kind of extreme, rigid um, conformity, um, guilt, all of that kind of stuff. So I wasn't raised with religion, but I found Unitarian Universalism uh, in 2007. So, you know, it was, it was not even that long ago. And what I loved about the principles were that they're so human. So if we can enter into a church space and start from a place of authenticity and honesty, which includes uh, uh, uncomfortable truth, then I personally feel like that's a that's a, a clear starting point to somewhere good. You know, if we know that we can walk into our religious institutions and um, there's accountability, it's named, right? It's said out loud. It is stated in fact um, and practiced and modeled through programming. Then you know that's just uh, how can that not be carried forward out into the world, right? So it's, it, that is exciting. It's very exciting. Well, Jill, I have so appreciated the chance to sit down with you both last night uh, as, as our in conversation, but today for this recording, 
Uh, folks, if you missed the in conversation, we have it on a tab on our website, but it's also just on the fourth universalist uh, YouTube page that you should pretty easily be able to find it there. I highly recommend checking out. It's an hour of just absolutely amazing discussion and brainstorming and thinking about how we can begin to make this the shift and imagine new ideas. And I mean, stay tuned also uh, just in, in the preparation for both this podcast and the in conversation. Uh, Jill and I have found ourselves brainstorming all sorts of new ideas. So, so stay tuned for, for new and exciting uh, collaborations coming from the two of us as well. But Jill, thank you so much for, for sitting down with me. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate everyone's time and listening. And listen, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Let's look to live in the light of awe because there's so much out there that's really, really amazing. And do you have any links or places that you'd like people to to head to? Any personal social media profiles that you want to share? Like, uh... Oh, you know, I haven't been super hot on my own personal social media, but as an artist uh, at Raw Form 9, uh, you can find some of my photography and sketch work um, for sure. Um, But in terms of my work work, um, ccny.org, you can find at the Community Church of New York. Look on that website, check out the religious education pages that I have there, the work I'm doing with parents, with um, children and youth. Yeah, definitely check it out. Contact me at jnovensky at ccny.org. It's J-N-O-V-E-N-S-K-I at ccny.org. I'm available. I respond quickly, generally. And uh, I'm really open to the possibilities of collabing with you all out there. So get at me. <laughs> and confirm that she responds quickly. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And thank you, uh, of course, to all of our listeners as well. 